It's July 23rd, 2017. You're listening to the Fancy Ramen Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. And the song we were listening to today was from the Japanese 2016 film Tag, which was maybe my most exciting, my second most exciting thing I've done this week. Uh, A very weird horror thriller comedy movie uh, that was directed by Sion Sono. Probably doesn't mean anything to the two of you, but this guy is known for doing a lot of weird shit. So this high school girl is in a school bus writing poetry when one of her friends starts talking to her and accidentally knocks away her pen. As she goes down and grabs the pen, like she has to get out of her seat, she's kneeling down grabbing the pen. At that very moment, a gust of wind cuts the school bus in half horizontally so you have a top and bottom oh, and in and doing she's so the only survivor yes in doing so it cuts every other girl since it's assumedly a like a female school trip or like a girl school uh, it cuts every other girl in half at the waist including the driver and the teacher in the front seat which are more decapitations and it follows a 10 minute maybe eight minute ish scene of her running away from the wind until she ends up finding some other students that she happens to know only after taking the clothing of a dead student from a different school and then the movie jumps into like a 15 to 20 minute sequence that's kind of slice of life it it has like the tone of a slice of life movie and a coming of age story for you know young female adults and where it goes from there is even stranger and more surreal would be the uh, best way to put it. But if you guys want to be weirded out, I highly recommend this movie. It's not amazing or anything. Uh, it definitely feels like the longest 85 minutes I've ever watched. So you're saying it's a coming of age story with. No, it, it has murder the, at the beginning or it I, has the overtones of a coming of age story for the next but it 15 isn't. minutes, but it quickly changes. Okay. So what would you, what would you say the, the narrative generally is then it's just this like fever dream of whatever's going on with this girl or. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like someone watching inception and we're like, I bet we could make something even more trippy. Okay. Yeah, I'm super confused. I'm trying to re- read the uh, Wikipedia and hopping from paragraph to paragraph, it, it almost sounds like it's nearly a, a different movie every paragraph. Yes. That, like, yeah, it's, you about could, the, it's about the same thing with Google Image Searches, by the way. Yeah. It's I don't interesting. Know, Neil. <laughs> So what have you guys been up to this week? As far as movies go, I went and saw um, Dunkirk in theaters on Friday night. The Christopher Nolan movie, uh, World War II. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty good. It, as far as uh, cinematography goes, just the, the film um, and what Nolan captures is like really pretty. Um, it's about the evacuation of Dunkirk and to keep it short and sweet. Essentially, there's 400 or so, 400,000 
British troops, and I don't know if this uh, includes the French troops that are also holding the line at Dunkirk or not, but there's at least 400,000 of them, and the Brits are trying to get at least 40,000, so roughly 10% of their troops back in order to protect the uh, mainland in, in, U- in the UK. And they have no way to get their men out, really. They have a very small landing area where they can actually get ships in and men aboard. And so the Germans, while they're pressing them from both sides, are just dive bombing overhead periodically to thin out their numbers. And so morale's really low, and the story is told on like three different fronts. The, uh, the land, which is mostly the beachside, the sea, which they're trying to cross the channel to get to England, and then the air above the channel. And so there are like three narratives that are going on, and it kind of explores the ideas of um, both duty and self-preservation and that very British stiff upper lip kind of philosophy. Um, It's a good movie. It's super dialogue light, which I think is actually played to its benefit. But it's, it's super gorgeous. And when I was watching it, I thought... This would be really cool to see in that uh, 70 millimeter film kind of medium. Same thing that Tarantino did when he did The Hateful Eight. And it turns out when I was looking up some stuff later that it actually was shot in 70 millimeter. So if, if that opportunity is available, you guys should go see it at a, at a theater that, can, that has a screen that will show you it in either 35 or 70 millimeter because then it's super widescreen, high def, and it's it's gorgeous already. When you said uh, that it was pretty, I was, I, I, I was particularly happy with that comment entirely because I've heard complaints about the movie being too gray and colorless. And my instant gut reaction was that this is a film that takes place during a time of war that doesn't take place in a mystical forest or in a tropical or mystical forest or some like fantasy setting. So I, I always felt really negative immediately by those comments. Yeah, really for a war film, it's, it's quite colorful. And, and I'd say so just because you really do have these extremely beautiful like panning shots of the coastline and the uh, horizon where, of the ocean and the air. There's, there's only a couple of times watching the film... Um, and there's only one like really, really awkward moment where the filming is uh, kind of uh, unpleasant. But otherwise, the cut, there's quite a bit of color there for a war film. And there are a couple moments where I think Christopher Nolan does just like this really, really great job um, juxtaposing really uh, bright or contrasting colors against one another without spoiling anything. Um, Obviously, a movie where the Germans are bombing at some of the ships trying to take evacuees across the channel. A ship or two gets sunk, and during one of the sinking scenes, you can just see this very like dark navy blue water, and then the, the bright kind of orange flames reflecting off the top of the surface of the water as the ship sinks. And he does this really cool thing with the camera where he kind of sinks the camera with the ship as it tilts in. So you get to see the water kind of swallow up from an angle across the screen. It's really, really good technique. It's very cool. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty movie and it has a really nice tension to it that I think the lack of dialogue adds to. 
I don't think that the uh, orchestration is that great. It's tense, like it should be, but I it it got a little annoying after a while. There's kind of a uh, ticking theme that goes on it, sort of like a uh, watch or a stopwatch. And at first, it you know really it it's really well paired with everything. But as it continue as it continues throughout the film, just because it happens so often, it starts to get pretty annoying. But all in all, I enjoyed the film quite a bit. Like if I had to, if I had to give it a score, I'd probably give it a four out of five. This, the way you described that, seemed made me want to watch that more than I want to watch Tag. No offense, Neil. But oh no, that, that's fine. That's... I'm more likely to watch Tag than Dunkirk, though. <laughs> no offense, Scott. I would like to know. Uh, do you think Harry Styles played his part well? I don't even know what Harry Styles looks like. But I knew he was in the movie, so I was watching it the whole time, assuming that this one character was him, only to find out later I was wrong. And I truly do know nothing about who he is, because I, I spoke to, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was my girlfriend or her sister, because we went to see the film while some of my girlfriend's family was in town. And uh, I mentioned the character that I thought was Harry Styles, and they're like, that's not Harry Styles. He was someone completely different. I was like, oh, well, you know, I at least recognized uh, Mad Max and the fighter plane. And I, I don't know why Ed, uh, what is it? Tom Hardy. That's, that's really one of the few people I was able to recognize in the movie. Ultimately, I think that's probably a good, sim, uh, a good sign. Yeah. I mean, uh, now that I do know who Harry Styles' character is, he did just fine. Like, there was... I don't know. There wasn't that much dialogue for him to fuck up, but I, I think everybody played their roles very convincingly. So I, I really enjoyed all the acting. And the only other face that I like definitely recognized um, is like one of their admiral. I'm almost certain it's Ewan McGregor. And then they had another... I think he was another British unit who tried to evacuate, and he may have been... I don't know if he would have been an officer or not, but he seems like he had slightly higher status than uh, some of the other characters that we follow for the kind of land and sea narrative. And uh, that's the guy who plays um, Scarecrow in Christopher Nolan's uh, The Dark Knight. Or not The Dark Knight, uh, Batman Begins. That's right. And so I don't remember his name, but I definitely recognized his face immediately and thought, oh, Christopher Nolan must have liked working with him. He brought him back. For those of you that don't know, Harry Styles is the one singing the uh, singing at the campfire with the other Lannister's soldiers. Okay, there, there's, a, there's a little tr- chuckle. I don't feel so bad about that joke now. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you and your... Did you watch the episode? Yeah, yeah, okay. obviously. So I can shit talk it. I'm guessing you didn't like the episode? Well, actually, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. That's about the only thing I watched this week. So Game of oh, Thrones Game Season of Thrones 7. Episode 1. Yeah. Starring Ed Sharon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I really don't... Like, being someone that only consumes... uh american and british pop culture and media from reaction youtube channels for the most part i don't really see what the problem was with ed sheeran there and i thought he did perfectly fine 
there was a problem with Ed Sheeran there. Yeah, a lot of people are pissed off about Ed Sheeran being uh, having that cameo. And he's he's also seen a song. Did, did you read the books? No. Okay, my, my book knowledge is really, really shitty at this point. Uh, actually, before we go any further, Scott, do you watch Game of Thrones? I think I've asked before. Yeah, I get asked this every once in a while. Um, and my usual answer to just keep things like short and sweet on my understanding is I actually watched it, I think, with pretty good comprehension up until the fourth season or whenever um, that uh, guy called the Viper got his eyes gouged out. Yeah, he mm-hmm. did okay. you did you stop watching because he was the best character? No, but I yeah, he's a really excellent character. I really enjoyed him. And then there was something going on with uh like I liked um oh man, what's her name? Oh well, it doesn't matter. Khaleesi of <laughs> of dragons or whatever. It. Yeah. I I liked uh Khaleesi's friend zone night. That was pretty great too. I liked him as a character and I also really liked that he got very sour when Khaleesi was not like romantically interested in him. The bear Jora. Um, okay. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that's really that I remember anything about their story. Uh, I guess Tyrion. Yeah. And um, who's the sister fucker? What's his name? Jamie. Uh, <laughs> Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. Good old one-handed bandit uh, Jamie. All right, um, this just I tells like their me their storyline. This just tells me I should keep it keep it relatively short. Then, um, I, I no, I mean you can talk about it as much as you want. I don't have much to say because I'm not caught up. But I certainly enjoyed the show um, while I was watching it. So I just lost my hookup. From from what I gathered, the response to Ed Sheeran's role in episode one, he plays relatively a minor role, at least what will be in the TV show. I'm assuming. Uh, but he sings a particular song. My book knowledge is really, really weak at this point since I haven't listened to the books or read the books in a while. But he, the song he sings is one that is written by a character in the books that was cut out from the, uh, from the show. And he gets killed. Uh, I mean, it, it's of little consequence, but it's just another like potential detail that the show more or less is like referencing the source material in a way that isn't that full. And I think it just sours people even more by having that done by a character or by an actor that is a cameo role. You know, I don't necessarily understand why people are getting mad about it either, but it's whatever people apparently don't like Ed Sheeran. I think he's did perfectly fine there. So let's say they said, Hey, we need somebody to sing this song to give those book readers uh something to guac about and they were like oh this guy sings we could probably get him for cheap yeah like and he's famous yeah yeah he's famous he's he's a pop star i'm assuming or yep pop folk he, he star. does he does some good stuff and then but yeah he was in there for like 30 seconds and you're just super worried for him the entire time because you you're pretty sure he's gonna die you know, I but, was sure he was going to die. Well, yeah, especially because uh, Arya starts looking around at their weapons. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, no one has their blades on them. I could kill them all right now. But there's there's a whole there are conflicting viewpoints on that scene at the campfire. But I think the most logical one is that by them being so kind to her, like there's a saying that I am going to completely fuck up since I'm not prepared to talk too much Game of Thrones. 
but it's basically like be kind to the stranger referring to one of the seven gods and the stranger will be kind to you and Makes they sense. are being kind to Arya, who is representing the stranger in this case because she you know she's more or less the like part of the faceless men at this point even though she's she, not part of the faceless men she is the faceless men now yeah or or at least the representation in westeros right yeah just listen to everything you're missing out on oh my god scott just catch up binge watch i don't care where you got to find it everything was just for that cold open yeah it was a good open it was a good opening to the season exactly i i have a single question that will determine whether i continue whether i even make an effort to try and watch or not and that's if my favorite character is still alive which i understand is difficult in game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) difficult to stay alive in yeah, difficult for characters to stay alive in Game of Thrones. But how's Arya Stark doing? That's the one we were just talking about. That that's your favorite y- character? Is that not your favorite Why? character now? No. Why wouldn't she be your favorite character? Uh because I think her story like is not that exciting and at times she's poorly written. And she's a great two-dimensional character. She wants to fuck shit up cuz she's angry. By the end of season 4, uh is she training by then? Because I think mm, I think her storyline abandons the hound, but yeah, I don't right. believe she's left to train for anything. Yeah, so it, it's her season five and season six storylines that I, I could do without. I honestly would have been fine with a thirty-second training montage with uh, that song. Um, You're the best around. <laughs> Nothing's ever oh, gonna yeah, get the, you the down. The Rocky training montage. Yeah, and. Uh, then she comes back in season seven and like you could seriously you, cut out the majority of that. But then so you she, wouldn't understand she like is alive, right? Oh yeah. She's alive. There, there are some okay, good cool. parts in that, in that storyline and we're not going to talk about them too much. There, there are, are some, some critical points uh, involving assassinations that really build her character, but there's a lot of shit that I don't think they needed to cover. And the books don't necessarily cover to any degree either. Makes sense. Are you going to be excited then having read slash listened to the books, the fact that the seventh book isn't out, so you're not going to know what's going to exactly happen? Yeah, and even the end of season six, there's portions of that that weren't in the books. Because uh, I feel as if that's like a lot of people's like gripes about the show. is like, oh yeah, we read the books and we want it to be exactly the same as the books, but you can't do that. Right, you have to cut things out, but the issue I've had is that they haven't done justice to certain storylines in the series in the TV show, like the Dorn storyline, which is something that you'll have to drudge through as well, Scott, it, should you watch seasons five and six, the Dorn storyline, aside from Oberon, it's garbage. It's hot dumpster garbage. I'll, I'll, but it I'll gives, save you. It gives your boy Jamie something to do. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. It, it, so, so that's the thing. It also hurts Jamie's character because Jamie is by far the most compelling person in the series, book and show, why? in my opinion. Why is that? I won't go too far into spoilers, but his journey in the novels is by far way more transformative for him as a character. And then the show, I just personally don't think some of the, sh- the, f- the show focused characters necessarily are as interesting as their book counterparts. Like I think Jon Snow, for instance, is very much like a Mary Sue in some regard. Like he's the do no bad, pure idealized hero of our books whereas he's a little more calculative and like you can see the plotting going on be well because you have pov chapters for one thing but you can see he's not nearly as perfect in the books 
and even his resurrection. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Uh, but that's okay. I'm I'm actually half listening, both for my own defense and because you know I I can't I can't contribute that much to it. Besides, like oh, and really. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we watched that. I'm in. I haven't read the books, so you know I don't get upset about minor details and the things that I'm missing I don't care about because I don't know about them. But I don't necessarily think you can just say you don't get upset about minor details referring to that being the common thread that every like every book reader is upset about minor details because I, I don't necessarily think it's Which that is why minor I stopped reading books. What's that? Which is why I stopped reading books <laughs> right. and kind of kind of curious as to whether or not I'm going to like the Ready Player One movie uh, yeah. coming out in 2018 since I've read the book. Love that book. I'll never watch an Aragon movie because fuck that movie because I read the books. Never read the Harry Potter books. So great movie. Yeah. I think that, that those are, are the uh, single series that I know that the books are just as entertaining as the movies, if, if not more so. Harry Potter? Yeah, man. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I was uh, forced to read any book that turned into a movie before I could go see it. At least while I was... That sounds uh, like an awful thing to put a person through. You should tell my mother that. <laughs> I will. Next time I see her, I'm just going to be like, Hey, Miss Trickle, it's an awful thing to put your son through, forcing him to read a book before he goes to see the movie. And especially Harry it, Potter. It was when it was... No, Harry Potter was fine. It was when it was Lord of the Rings that it was awful. Do you know how boring The Two Towers is? The it's movie or the book? Boring. It's not it's that so bad. bad. The movie not or the bad. book? The book. And the book's the shorter of the three, too. I think, uh, what is it? Fellowship of the Rings, Enormous. Two Towers is normal-sized, but it's dry as hell. And then uh, Return of the King, also very dry, okay. even larger. I have one they question for you. When did you read Harry Potter, the first book? The first Harry Potter? Yeah, is that the Sorcerer's Stone? I don't fucking remember. Sorcerer's Stone. Stone. Uh, yeah, depending depending on what region you were in. I was about to say, we've anyway. got the British version of the DVDs, so it's the Philosopher's okay. Stone. <laughs> so anyway, I probably read that, I don't know when the first one came out. I probably read it like third grade, fourth grade. Yeah, okay. So imagine reading it when you're 20 instead. Okay, so I can actually, I've, I can uh, counter this though, because I think my sister right now is rereading the books. And so there's a sense uh, of nostalgia if you're rereading the books. My issue is that when you pick up Harry Potter for the first time as oh, a yeah, as as a 20 year old, because the, you're like, I completely didn't read any of these or watch the movies. Maybe I should just give it a shot because I what's have the what's um, Harry Potter's aunts and uncles names. Oh, uh, the Dursleys. Vernon yeah, and, the Dursleys. Uh, the first chapter of the first book of Harry Potter, the Dursleys. Oh yeah, the Dursleys, something, some Dursleys, something, something, Dursleys. I can. I started reading the first book too, and I was just like, okay, no, I'm over this because I've said Dursley twenty eight times, and I'm not done with the second, right. the second paragraph. Right, like <laughs> you, nothing. Like I don't want to take any away anything away from J.K. Rowling. That's her name, right? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, because I think she is extremely talented, and I think her writing gets significantly better as the series goes on. But man, the first book is the first couple books are kind of rough. Harry looked at the puddings. The puddings looked delicious. Harry took a <laughs> just <laughs> the first scene in the dining hall is just as painful to read. It's I couldn't get that far. Yeah, 
a much better series to read about wizards for children is the Young Wizard series by Diane Duane. It actually gives meaning to magic. Yeah, we've, that's, that's we've talked about this before, right? Probably. That's my one complaint about like Harry Potter and like most magical genres is because they're like, oh yeah, magic. It happens. We yep. don't really explain how you do magic or what it does or if there's any consequence because magic, you're reading our books for escapism, not for more analytical reasons. I want, I want to know. Diane Duane, she tells you. She's like, oh yeah, magic is really in the world to help stop entropy. You, when you use magic, you're speeding up entropy just a little bit, but you're, if you use it responsibly, you're helping stop the big death. So I was like, yeah, perfect. I know what's going on with that. Dresden, magic is pretty much fucking stamina. You use magic until you're too tired to use magic anymore, and it might kill you if you use too much. Harry Potter, they're just like, flame dragon, water dragon, earth dragon. It, it's all <laughs> about the complexities of the hand and wand movements yep. and the verbal sayings. Oh, you fucked up that syllable. Now you just somehow turned that dragon spell into a swamp ass spell. <laughs> and now everyone in the room has uncomfortable swamp ass. Let me just use this other spell to clear that swamp ass smell up. Not having to analyze anything. I just happen to know a Febreze spell. Luckily, you're an instructor that happens to know all of those things immediately. It's like, oh, yes, you said Fedekis instead of Veredis. Mm, quite. <laughs> I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to be Snape there. I think Snape is pretty cool. Hi, Scott. We're back hey, to just, talking just about hanging out. anime now. Sorry Over. for hating on your favorite series, Scott. It's not my favorite series. Scott, but it's okay. I it's okay. You don't, it's have to, you don't have to defend yourself. It's all right, man. It's cool. Speaking of the things that, uh, you know, you know what? Fuck this segue. Let's talk about Splatoon 2. <laughs> 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 so that came out uh, on Friday of this last week. That would have been the 19th, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Actually, the 20. The 21st. That sounds better. I only have one Switch, so that meant that means I only had a few hours of Splatoon 2 gameplay. But I can say without, uh, without a doubt, it's pretty fucking good. I did not play a whole lot of Splatoon 1, though, on the, on the Wii U, so I can't necessarily say if it's that much better. The perception I've gotten from other people is that it's more or less the same game, just more of it, and maybe more in that specific Spl Splatoon direction. Listening to the soundtrack in particular, it feels exactly like Splatoon 1, but just more Splatoon. I don't know if that makes sense. So for those of you who have not played Splatoon or Splatoon 2, and if you've played the game Titanfall and Titanfall 2, it's the exact same comparison. It's just more of the same game, but better? It's squid. It's like super hyper cartoony art squid kids playing paintball, except their guns are don't really work that well i don't know i think their guns work pretty well i'm just saying that like if i have a paintball gun in real life that thing is going to shoot like hundreds of yards far well, whereas in this it's gonna not shoot shooting balls right they're shooting paint paint blobs yeah, yeah just I guess, shooting like loose paint. you know it's like it, super soaker paint gun when, when yes. you phrase it that way they work real well <laughs> they're just yeah yeah. yeah, but just from the context of like a first-person shooter game, it's one of the person. big, yeah, third-person. <laughs> sorry, a third-person competitive shooting game. The most obvious thing you could say about Splatoon, aside from the fact that you also want to paint the battleground, 
is that your bullets do not travel that far. Well, you don't want to really shoot the other players. That's the point that's of like the game. Thirty percent of the game, though, because you have to splat in order to tune. I didn't think that one through. You have to, <laughs> no, you you have to splat awful, people awful. in order to paint your battlegrounds because you don't only win from kills. Only because they're in the way. Well, yeah, right. The, the but, other thing to note that makes this really unique is that don't you have like way better mobility in your own paint? Yes, you do. Like, yeah, yeah you can you can dash through your paint as a squid, which is awesome. It's a super cool mobility element. But it doesn't take away from the fact that if you're just absolutely shitty or you have a team that is not able to go on the offensive, you will ultimately lose. Like, matches are, what, two minutes long? But even Something like that. Even over that two-minute course, as short as that can be, the arena is not big enough to just fight for territory. You have to have some conflict, and or you're fighting a team that doesn't know how to paint their own base. Like, that, that can also be an option. But I think being able to splat the other team is just as useful... And just as important as being able to splat your own base. But it doesn't come in handy to splat the other team if no one's painting the ground. Right, right. So that's, that's why they have to go hand in hand. Those two things are very important. But it's just that specific mechanic being that your weapons don't travel a great distance is also one of the defining elements that makes Splatoon fairly successful in its... Uh, variety of weapons like your your basic machine gun is only going to shoot a few yards in game so to speak in front of you whereas a sniper rifle will will go a greater distance right yeah but you still can't like paint snipe somebody off the map can you uh maybe not the same distance you could in cod but when you think about a game like cod or halo like you can you can still shoot people at those big distances so it sometimes makes different weapons like less unique or useful if you actually can hit someone with a pistol at a greater distance it's still going to deal the same amount of damage in some of those older shooter games shooters whatever i think splatoon does a great job of dividing the usefulness and like the the play types for each weapon like the sniper rifle might not be as good at painting the ground but it does a great job at taking out enemies from from a range but then you have items like the, uh, oh my gosh, what's paint the roller? Rolling? Yeah, the paint, paint roller. roller, which is awesome at covering ground, so to speak, and good close up, but you're going to, you could be countered by someone a little further away. Unless you're just garbage tier, Neil. Because <laughs> man, that, the jumping and doing the vertical slice down, oh yeah. Oh, right, that right. Gets that, that nearly as far range. That gets nearly as far as the uh, sniper rifle. It's probably does. my favorite weapon, actually, the paint oh. roller. It's that between that and the dueling pistols. There's an air gun now, like an airbrush gun. It's like the the normal, air SG or air MS something or something. And it just seems phenomenal, but I don't have that unlocked yet. So I just yeah. use the dueling pistols or the uh, paint roller. So if I know if, if I don't know people, I guess I don't know anybody that's playing this game because we don't really have that good of online functionality. Nintendo, maybe. Nope, okay. I'll have to get you hooked up with Tiffany so you guys can play together. But yeah, so depending on my mood, I'll probably hit... I do mostly rollers, but if I'm feeling real feisty, I'll go with the um, dueling pistols because I like having the... tapping the B button while I'm shooting to do like a quick dash away and shoot a little bit faster for a couple of seconds. The paint mobility, too, going into squid form within like 
a few hundredths of a second, it seems. Maybe that's a little too fast, but that is what makes this game like so fun and what gives you the impression of having such a high skill cap. But as someone who has played a lot of Splatoon 1... Uh, no. No, you haven't? We didn't play any Splatoon 1. I thought you had it for the Wii. Oh, no, because right. we couldn't. me and my wife couldn't play together and we weren't yeah. going to buy a second Wii U. So as soon as I find a second uh, Switch, I'll actually just pick it up. Well, shit, then I guess I, this question... I can't even have this que- or I can't even say ask this question then. Ooh, what's the question? What's the question? It, it was basically just how much better is Splatoon 2 from Splatoon 1? A lot better. Cuz I can play it now. <laughs> uh, I can play it anywhere I go. That's got to be such a big plus to be able to pull that out whenever you want. We've probably said enough about Splatoon 2. It exists and you can buy it. Unlike the SNES classic. Do 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 do. It's especially uh, ironic that you point out that it doesn't exist because on Fridays, <laughs> Walmart actually hosted or uh, accidentally, keyword here, updated their SNES Classic storefront page, I guess, or whatever, for pre-orders. So a lot of people obviously uh, put in their pre-orders, and most of them have been having their pre-orders canceled the following day, Saturday. Uh, or even today essentially when they were testing everything out they accidentally made it live and published it slip of a keystroke for all of those people that thought they had snes classics pre-ordered they do not unfortunately pour one out for my dead homies and learning so uh we we have found out that the snes classic pre-orders will be live sometime this week at least in walmart because where did the NES Classic have pre-orders available. Uh, United Kingdom. No, no, no. I mean, store front-wise in the U.S. Oh, for the, the NES Classic? Yeah, because I know Walmart, and that was about all I heard. I think Yahoo, not Yahoo, uh, Amazon had some? Yeah, Amazon did, but... But that was like the only retailers, right? GameStop as well. No, it did not. It did not? Are mm-hmm. you sure? 100%. Someone was just saying that they were pre-ordering from their SNES Classics from GameStop physical store locations. Really? So, so they're releasing the SNES Classic for a GameStop pre-order then? Because they did not but, for the but NES. But not, not on the website. No, they didn't do it anywhere for the NES. Mm. I've seen GameStops where they were like, yeah, we never even heard of anything. Because I was walking into my local GameStop ah, for the NES Classic. Just like every day after work, I was like, hey, what's happening with the NES Classic? We don't know. Like, okay, NES Classic comes out tomorrow. Pre-orders? Nope, got nothing. Okay. But yeah, so pre-orders for the SNES Classic, the system that is just going to disappear into myth and legends because, I don't know, for some reason, Nintendo's going to make 26 instead of 25. Yeah, basically. Well, (laughs) so, So now I'm curious and I'm questioning whether or not the source I got on the SNES Classics being pre-orderable in physical GameStop, the brick-and-mortar GameStop stores, is even reliable at this point. Because I haven't checked on there, because with history of the NES Classic, I was like, yeah. They, they probably won't have it. But. Yeah. So I can check at some point this week, just by popping in, saying what's up to everybody. That, that'll be, that would be good if you can get one at this point before the, before like the mass amount of pre-orders comes in. But I'm starting to question... I'm starting to think it's not likely, but we'll see. That one. I'll, I'll be damned if I can't get this thing. 
I'm so, so sorry that you just damned yourself. Yeah, I am basically. so sorry. Wait, you will be able to get one, Scott. You will. It's 100% guaranteed that you'll be able to purchase one. There is a, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and go six and a half percent chance that you'll be able to purchase one at retail price. Yeah. <laughs> There's a 100% chance you'll be able to get it at 300% retail price. Yeah. But what if I told you there was another classic 16-bit console that could get you Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3, Shining Force 1 and 2, Fantasy Star 2, 3, and 4, Shadow Dancer, Shinobi 3, Altered Beast, and basically every 16-bit Sonic game for only $80. The same would, price as the SNES. I classic. would ask you, Neil, don't they already have that? Shh. Yeah, if was you I really the only person it, that was I the only person that? Uh, yeah, no, wasn't I the was I the only person that like two years ago was walking into Urban Outfitters where they sell the Sega Genesis? Yes, you were the all only the games. person. My the, sister quite literally owns one of those, <laughs> and they were fifty dollars back in the day. Yes, th- this is definitely something that is trying to capitalize <laughs> on the most recent news with the SNES Classics upcoming release. But the Sega Genesis Flashback and the Atari Flashback 8. That one sounds interesting-ish. It looks cool, at least. Yeah. They will be available for pre-order July 28th, 2017. I I think you can still actually walk into Targets and grab the Segas. Yes, you can. (laughs) The issue, though, is that, like, as you alluded to, this is not a new product and in that regard, like the SNES Classic and NES Classic really weren't new products in terms of what they did, but they were new for the console for that specific brand. The company at Games, uh, they've they've made these products before, especially when you notice the Flashback 8 in, term, uh, <laughs> in relation to the Atari. The problem is that their reputation has been rather low and like the games themselves haven't been emulated that well and usually the construction's not great. Yeah, when compared to the Nintendo equivalents, because they only had to make twelve Nintendo classics. So and, and I've, <laughs> I've never felt one of the Nintendo ones, so I don't necessarily know. Like, does it feel just like when we're at least talking about controllers, just like exactly. the originals? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Who knows? The price of this particular console is a little more than what you could find them at NFM and Target and so forth. Which I think the last one I saw was forty dollars for yeah a similar number of games. I, it comes with like 80 plus games and it's got the space to fit the actual cartridges in it, unlike the NES Classic and SNES Classic, respectively. But if this if this version does take at least a little inspiration from the NES Classic, or at least from that we've heard from reviews and so forth, offers a better build, better emulation technology as well, Doubt hopefully. <laughs> but if it did, this would be amazing because this particular lineup is loaded, to say the least. And to cap off our remake and classic discussions, uh, last week Nintendo also put in a European patent for the N64, essentially. Like, like pushing details aside, too long didn't read, uh, we're going to probably see an N64 classic next year. That one I'll shoot a little harder for, depending on what games come out. I just want Quest 64, honestly. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You mean you don't want Glover? Oh, that did exist mm-hmm. yeah when i was thinking about it my first thought was i i just thought what was 
going to be their library of games for the N64? Pilot Wings, Diddy Kong Racing, Blitz 98, um, Quest 64, Super Mario 64, because... Donkey you know, Kong 64. Blitz will Donkey be Kong a Zelda 64. game. Blitz is owned by... Do you happen to know? No. No. My, it's just one of the classic games I remember playing on thing, and that's also at our... At my work, there's a 64 set up, and those are pretty much the games that are there as well. So the good ones. The problem that comes with that is going to be licensing, player licensing, and so forth. Just like how we probably wouldn't see anything with the WCW or... Yeah, it was WCW games for the 64 for the most part, right? And And WWF. It was F and C, W. World Wrestling Federation and World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, I just don't remember no, any WW... good WWF games back then. Oh, yeah. Whether or not they were good games, I don't know. Well, in in any case, the question of whether or not they could even get those games, because not only would they have to go and contact whoever owns the rights to THQ, well, no, THQ is, is still around, but I don't know if they've retained those game rights specifically. Probably not. Then they've got to get the rights of the people who own the rights of the people who were playing football at that time if they're dead (laughs) well yeah football in the case of blitz and then in the case of wrestling like what are they going to do with the games that have chris benoit as well since at this point chris benoit has been wiped off the map of all yeah but 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 the same the same thought applies to did they get like in the player appearance like those contracts that allowed them to get the players for the first releases, were they binding in a way that would allow them any sort of post-releases or re-releases? And in most cases, that's not the case. Case, case, case. I feel really redundant in my like, discussion uh, today. like J.K. Rowling in her first Harry Potter book? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Sorry. So, segueing. Re- but real quickly, Goldeneye, that would be one everyone yeah. would say. Yeah. How how is that going to happen? Like first that that wasn't a Nintendo developed game. It wasn't a Nintendo license obviously. And they would also have to get the actors likenesses from not only Pierce Brosnan uh but also and everyone in the GoldenEye movie, but assumedly <laughs> everyone that is featured in the multiplayer like the actor that played jaws uh odd job all of those characters and as i'm going as, make as, it work well as i'm thinking about it, i mean the the correct answer is they just put in perfect dark instead because that's a better game oh yeah that would be a much better game you're right but no Laptop one that's gun for days but no one farsight that that's not the that's not the title that everyone's looking for right like Right, you still have to sell that name recognition for it. Yeah, and, and just by the nature of this discussion, it occurred to me that like, there really aren't that many N64 classics. But when you look at the SNES classic, maybe you don't necessarily need that many games because they cut down the number from NES classic to SNES classic, and they will probably just cut down the number even more. But as long as it's as the titles are there, I'm sure people will buy it. Here's the N64 classic. It now has Mario 64. (laughs) Let's be fair. $120. An HD release of that would be perfectly, would sell really well, I'm assuming. 
Like Mario 64 is always going to be one of the best games and like most revolutionary games, no matter what you do or say, right? Oh, I guess I put Ocarina of Time on there. Yeah, and then Majora's Mask, assumedly, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know about that. They may just do one. I just want Quest 64, honestly. I don't think I played Quest 64. Oh my god, it was so good. It was like, yeah, magic and sword fights, and it was long, kind of boring. It was so good. Ah, oh, member berries. Member berries all over the place. I think the 64 was honestly like my most memorable system for me back when I was a kid. Oh, man. And I wonder. It's a third-party developer, Imagineer. So I wonder who... Because I'm assuming that company does not exist anymore. Doesn't say they don't exist, though. Published by THQ, Konami, and Imagineer. Oh, man. Such a good game. Just look at that artwork, yo. I guess Banjo Kazooie. You know, that's what cover art looked like. Banjo Kazooie is interesting, though, because that's like, are you really going to be able to get, get that from Rare at this point? No, because they're doing a new one right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, but maybe because they'd have to pay Rare anyway. Well, so, right, right. And Rare would just be like, okay, we ain't got to do shit. But Rare, Rare's been doing their own uh, HD remixes. Yeah, they they did their rare uh, game collection that had you know everything back from their Battle Toads days to holy fuck Pokemon Stadium, oh, Pokemon I... Snap. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that's actually a, a great point. Pokemon Stadium would be an easy selling point for me. That one. No offense to your Pokemon Snap. I would also Snap's play. Way better. Than I would opinion. also play Pokemon Snap. I didn't get to play Bomberman Snap, Hero. So I'd love to play Snap. Bomberman. I don't know. Like, it, you, when you look at the SNES Classic, it seems really restricted to uh, restricted when it came to Konami titles. Ooh, um, there's what is it? Is it Yoshi's Story for N64? Was that not SNES? No, well, there's Yoshi's Island, but Yoshi's Story is uh, the N64. I think you're right. Yep, Yoshi's Story, N64. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's a great one, too. That's a really good one. I'm actually getting pretty hyped for this uh, Nintendo 64 classic. <laughs> the problem is, are they going to release all of these games we're actually naming? Because I, I just... I feel like... If you told me the SNES Classic was coming out and we didn't have knowledge of the game titles, I would have named a bunch of titles that got excluded from that list. Ooh, Conker's Bad Fur Day. In- they're, they're probably not going to put Conker out. Oh, God, no. Like, as much as I would love that, I think Conker is maybe not the image they're going for. <laughs> oh, and I guess they put the good Star Fox on there with the 64. Like, what, the good Star Fox? Are the- you saying Star that Fox Star Fox 64. 1 is not good? Well, I'm saying it's not nearly as good as Star Fox 2 because someone's going to get to play that. Maybe. I will after I pay that 300% markup. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Glover. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, something we discussed last week, the Overwatch League. And its new logo is maybe raising some eyebrows when it comes to the Major League Baseball Association. Uh, The new logo utilizes a common theme amongst designs for the MLB, NBA, PGA Tour, Major League Gaming, in that it features a white figure bisecting contrasting colors. In the case of the MLB and NBA, 
PGA Tour, I think even Major League Gaming, it's red and blue, whereas the Overwatch League features a white silhouette of Tracer with charcoal and gold on the respective sides. Yeah, MLG is also blue and red. I was about to say, this has been copied so many times, I don't think it really matters anymore. Yeah, this is the MLB, like, I I don't know exactly what they're going for, because I have a really, really high amount of skepticism that they'd be successful in saying that this icon is, you know, really violating anything that all these other icons don't already do to a greater degree with their similarity in color, their bisecting design. I mean, at the very least, you can go ahead and give Overwatch credit for not having red and blue. (laughs) (laughs) MLG looks like MLB uh, besides the controller and the player silhouette. And it's only a letter difference. So... I'd I'd be surprised that they didn't go for that as opposed to Overwatch. When no, it, when it, it came time it looks to complain, like, it looks like everyone's going to be complaining about Overwatch, and we're just all going to mysteriously forget that MLG exists. Don't you think Tracer's guns kind of look like a baseball bat? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to say say no. <laughs> or maybe it's the ball that looks like the gun. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's it's a such a stupid complaint. Wait, are we talking about things people complain about on the internet? What? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a that's a point. But I'm saying it's a stupid complaint by an organization that should recognize that it's an incredibly stupid and pointless complaint. Why waste any of your time on this? Wait, is MLB actually trying to waste any other time on this or is the internet just saying mlb is running out of time to waste their time on this they've wasted enough time because they filed an extension on their deadline to file a uh, complaint about yeah, it basically oh so th- so or the mlb is against it so the mlb is wasting their time with this yes oh, okay i just thought the internet was saying the mlb should probably do something about this and the mlb was just like i guess we'll we'll do something maybe i don't but why wouldn't they have even for the for the MLG logo, which surfaced, you know, within the last decade or two. I'm trying to think how long Major League Gaming's been around. But, it, like, as, as the list notes, there are quite a few logos that are far closer to the MLB. And granted, many of them have been instilled decades and decades ago at this point. It seems hilarious to think that this particular logo from Overwatch is one that actually breaks the copyright or trademark. Totally. But that's happening. (laughs) In other news, Doom, the 2016 release, is getting a big patch full of multiplayer changes. It's their 6.66 patch, which is... I, I applaud Doom for for adding that uh, fun little nod to the nomenclature. But they're, they're getting pretty much a really big multiplayer update. It's 34 gigs, and it's going to give um, three multiplayer DLCs for free to Doom players. And so these DLCs beforehand were rough. I think they were $39.99 in total. And so players who have already bought Doom and bought the DLCs 
aren't getting their money back, but they are going to at least get an acknowledgement through um, badges to show off uh, both veteran players and players who have reached the uh, max Slayer level. And then also what's interesting about this too is that uh, some of the updates that will come in through these DLCs are some new um, playable demon characters, some new weapons, and uh, their new update is also going to include a uh, organized unlock system as opposed to the random unlock system that they previously had. Now, I haven't played Doom multiplayer, but I heard it, it was kind of a mess. And this might be one way to really kind of clean it up by having this uh, organized progression system. Now, if there's something that you want to unlock instead of crossing your fingers and rolling the dice, RNG? you can actually... Yeah, instead of, instead of praying to RNG Jesus, like you can actually work towards the unlocks that you want to have for the game. Um, it's a pretty big patch, 34 gigs. So for uh, computer players who are trying to keep a little bit of space on their hard drive and they don't necessarily play the multiplayer, I don't know, it might be a bit of a nuisance. For instance, I bought Doom exclusively for the single player. I may play the multiplayer sometime, especially after this uh, new update is added. But I remember when I was running on just a uh, 250 gig solid state drive for a little while, and 34 gigs would have been a lot. I might have had to uninstall Doom just to keep some room open for other things that was gaming at the time. So it's a... It's a mandatory patch. I mean, if you've got Steam open, it's going to be downloading uh, unless you pause it immediately. Okay, and so even if you're not... Yeah, even if you don't play the multiplayer, you're not interested, there's no way to uh, avoid this patch or opt out of it because it's really not going to affect the uh, story. single player at all. So was the story good enough to replay and replay and replay? Or are you just talking like in the sense of I just like to keep games on my hard drive that's 250 gigs. Why would you do that to yourself? You're on a computer. God. Please. Hey, that was this is that was the old Scott. This is the new Scott <laughs> with his 2 terabyte <laughs> hybrid drive. But uh Yeah, I don't know. If you're buying Doom as a as a as a game at all, um chances are you're probably buying it for the single player even at this point, especially not the multiplayer. So a really big patch um I don't know. It it's too bad that they can't follow a format that actually even Call of Duty's been doing, believe it or not, with the uh computer gaming scene where you can opt to download both the single player and multiplayer portions of the uh game or you can just opt out of having the multiplayer at the single player options. That interchangeability would be nice on games that don't have that great of uh multiplayer in the first place that, and they would save on bulk for what you're putting on your hard drive makes sense but once again why would you do that to yourself Scott especially on a PC like for what was old Scott's like thought process behind limiting himself to 250 gigabytes knowing that console gamers were at least for the PS4 back in the day we were just like oh my god Sony just just please let us plug in an external hard drive and Microsoft was like, external hard drives, left and right. Something, something, balling on a budget. Something, something, <laughs> college. 
I could I could only afford um, the, the smaller memory at the time. The, the $300 solid state drive rather than the $100 one terabyte drive. Mm, you you might you might have got me there. But but my <laughs> league cookie, I need to I need to have that performance for when I play league so I can I can tilt four times in a row when Neil and I play A Rams. <laughs> it's really sad because as soon as you like the the next time I played A Ram, I think I won four or five in a row. Jesus! So. Oh man, that was it was a bad time. It's a bad time, everyone. Luckily, A Ram. Even if you lose, it's still perfectly fine in my opinion. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, I don't actually feel that bad losing in league at all. But especially in an A Ram, I don't feel bad. Also, when Neil's like, "Oh, I've uh, I've never played this champ before. We're gonna." Uh, give it a little shot. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It was Lulu. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad game. We got some <laughs> ugly comps there, Cookie. It's it's hard. It's hard to fight those fights when uh, when you don't have an uh, eighty carry at almost. All. Yeah, exclusively uh, like DPS team against three tanks, a healer, and a and a eighty <laughs> uh, carry. Oh, nice. I'll have yeah. to join you guys next time you're playing that. Do you have? Oh, totally. Installed? Yeah. There's not much more to say about Doom, but did we want to mention that Pokemon Go is introducing legendary Pokemon? And although you might not be playing League today, Cookie, is this enough to get you back to playing Pokemon Go? Nope. But all the changes they've made, the game's bigger, yeah. better, faster, yeah. stronger. Okay. <laughs> it's harder, better, faster, stronger. That's what it is. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Like, so I was like, you know, there's a South Park reference that should have been made right there. Is this not just a giant reference to the uh, Millennium Man or whatever? The, not Millennium Man. That's a Robin Williams movie. The Million Dollar Man. The Million Dollar Man. Or, or it could be a reference to the Daft Punk and then later Kanye songs. Harder, better, faster, stronger. You know they both released songs titled that well kanye well, just sampled it kanye oh. sampled from harder better faster stronger and he just called it stronger makes yeah. more sense and i was thinking of south park the uh movie the bigger, bigger longer uncut yeah oh yeah okay that that was the thing but yeah so pokemon go it's got updates cool beans yo i yeah, guess for those that are interested there's legendary pokemon afoot lugia is the first one that's been officially announced and for those that are interested no Man's Sky also exists. And there's more updates there too? Huh. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going to that game if it was, you know, $10 maybe. Or no Man's Sky or uh, Pokemon Go? No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, my girlfriend's been playing this game called Subnautica. And it basically looks like No you Man's mean Sky. underwater long dark? Yeah, well, yeah, that, that, that's another good comparison to it. And uh, the Long Dark community is uh, at least every once in a while pretty, pretty good about referencing that if you want more of that kind of survival game experience, that Subnautica is a great option. There's also a really great YouTuber named uh, or called The Killian Experience that did a Subnautica episode that's pretty great. Just, just looks, by the nature of being underwater is makes me feel like it would f almost be more of a survival horror game just because you know the water is fucking scary as hell Trying i don't know you. how far tiffany is and i won't spoil anything but um 
it is certainly more survival horror than uh, surviving in the Canadian wilderness. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is you can have a bear or a wolf appear in kind of a 360 degree arc around you. While when you're underwater, you can literally be attacked from any angle. <laughs> and there's this nice, dark, Mariana Trench-like space that may contain unspeakable horrors that have evolved in a totally liquid environment. So I think whatever updates may have come out that included those things is what she's playing through right now. Because last, like the last time she was playing this, which was more than a week ago, she had gotten so far into the story mode that there was nothing else to do in regards to story aside, you know, in the story part. So it just became Minecraft at that point for lack of a better comparison. But uh, Minecraft has a story mode. <laughs> and it's its own game. <laughs> featuring robert Patton, is that his name it doesn't matter uh but speaking about things that people may not even care about referencing no man's sky not the long dark or subnautica i should point that out because those <laughs> games both you know have their own merits uh Are last good. last episode we edited out a bunch of discussion regarding her story I'm, I'm only noting that because if you watch the raw form of the podcast which may or may not come out at some point uh, with Cookie's 3D or 360 camera, not 3D. Oh, it's actually on YouTube. It's just not with Scott. Ah, uh, okay. I was testing out some things. We'll figure it out. So you you might have heard us uh, bring up her story, and on that topic, Sam Barlow, the creator of her story, has announced his follow up game, Telling Lies, or has announced his follow up game, Telling Lies, which draws inspiration from 70s thriller films. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I think. Her story, if you haven't played it yet, is worth playing or watching, I guess, more than playing sometimes. And uh, I know we I'm support just, developers here. You got to play it. Yeah. Buy it, play well, it. Well, I, I would just say that it's not very gamey. So if you bought and played it, it, it's more like you're buying and watching it, but not. Buy it and watch it. Play, watch it. Something. Buy it and experience our, it. Experience, yeah, Ooh, there we go. That's yeah. the way I like that. Or buy yeah. it, then YouTube it, but buy it. <laughs> buy it then watch our playthrough we're, no we're not we, actually buy no. it delete the file buy it again delete that file that's that's the best way to go about it <laughs> support developers whether you know what they're doing or not but when when i heard that this telling lies was specifically going to draw that 70s film feel to it i don't know i, I got maybe a little more excited than i needed to because uh, I, I think he has one of the most unique games that came out in 2015, I think. And, uh, but that was the year of her story, I guess. Did it come? I don't know. I think matter. that's when it came out, right? What, what else came out in 2015? Uh, Shadow? No, no, never mind. Don't, don't listen to that. Shadows of Mordor was 2014, right? That was good. 15 might have been Undertale. I know we just talked about that recently, so I'm... I'm not enthusiastic with the fact I can't remember. The Witcher 3, Bloodborne, uh, Fallout 4, uh, Automatron, The Phantom Pain, Arkham Knight, Undertale, you're right. Ooh, Life is Strange. Mm. Ori in the Blind Forest. There's a lot of good games. Her story. Splatoon, A. Yeah. Holy shit, that was only two years ago? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Until Dawn, Mortal Kombat X. So maybe I can't say it was one of the most interesting games, but it had one of the most 
gimmicks to it, I guess. Best gimmick. Second best gimmick. Best gimmick goes to Undertale. Fair enough. Evolve came out in 2015. Worst gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> worst worst gimmick. Evolve's entire entire gameplay. Holy snap, Broforce was 2015. Oh, Ali Ali too, I guess. But we don't care anymore. You don't care about Ali Ali? Oh no. I fucking loved Ali Ali. Uh Ali Ali 2 was okay. Uh Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> the game's called. I didn't even realize there was a second game. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was okay. Yeah, her story. Buy it. Experience it. Games that came out. The Destiny 2 beta. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, lots of Destiny fans are not excited about it at all. Is there too much story this time? No. It's um more balanced for multiplayer rather than story. And mm. the core Destiny fan base is actually just in it for the story. But there was no story in Destiny 1, quote-unquote. There wasn't an OG Destiny 1. But after the uh, Taking King and the other, like, three uh, DLCs, it actually got kind of interesting. So the majority of players are playing single-player then, quote-unquote? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know whether or not you can call it single-player, because I... Like, all of the raids were multiplayer, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's So they were definition. in it for the raids. They were in it for the PvE experience rather than the PvP experience. Oh, so Destiny 2 is trying to... Become more eSport-like, so it's balancing for PvP, which... The, so everyone's saying the PvP is balanced really, really well. The PvE is balanced poorly. So no longer do you feel like the Guardian blasting shit up you just kind of you kind of are i did the strike and i was like okay okay this is fine this is fine it took me and the other two guardians i was with about eight attempts to beat the final part of the strike and i was like okay now i can see why because they're like so your plasma grenade it's on like a minute and a half cooldown but you regenerate the yeah, I take it. So as opposed to picking them up. Yeah, so in Destiny, the original, it was always on a cooldown, but the cooldown wasn't nearly as long, but people would spam things in the PvP. So in order to balance out the PvP more, they've made the cooldowns longer. They've also changed um, bullet types. So for shotguns, they're no longer um, medium bullet type. They're a heavy bullet type. And for sniper rifles, it's heavy. So that's really good for PvP because those ammo types, they generate like once or twice per match and you've got specific points where you can go pick them up. In PvE, it's rare to find the heavy type of ammo and that's your secondary weapon, not your third weapon. So like using a shotgun became a lot harder in the PvE section, so a lot of people are complaining about that. Doesn't, doesn't this seem like something that doesn't have to have a direct correlation between the two like you can balance the pvp in a way that doesn't affect the pve you just have to take the time like to set two different parameters and say hey we're gonna this file has the pvp balance this file has the pve balance that's yeah. what everyone's saying it's like hey this game feels really great in pvp not so great in pve please separate those two balances out please it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard, and other games already do that. Yeah. So a lot of people are complaining about that. 
right now. Otherwise, pretty solid. I'm I'm actually enjoying kind of the newer things. You you start off feeling kind of sort of like a badass, but not really that much like a badass because of balance issues. Do you get any story like mm-hmm. in the so does it feel more substantial? Because I know that was one of the things they were trying to... I, I think the direct quote was from who, whomever on the uh, development team, but they wanted players to complain about the amount of story they were getting as if there's too much I story. Wouldn't, I wouldn't know. So basically what they do with the, with the beta... Excuse me. They run you through the invasion of, the, um, of Earth via the new threat... And then they say, okay, that's the invasion. Here's a strike, pretty much. So okay. they give you like the first they give you the first mission where you're just being all badass and doing things and all hope is lost because you as one person can't do it all. And then they give you a strike mission. This was episode twenty five of the Fancy Ramen Podcast. If you'd like to send in questions, concerns, corrections, you can reach us at podcast at fancyramen.com or comment below if you're on YouTube. I'm the what what's the what I, I like it when you have your plug right after mine. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. sorry that, I, I know it was unexpected, you can also but. you can also reach us at the uh, Fancy Ramen podcast page because it's been updated. Yep. It's been updated. Omake. If you uh if you like what you heard, leave us a review on youtube oh that or on one. youtube excuse me uh apple, on Podcast. apple podcasts or the itunes podcast store the whatever. best way to help fancy ramen grow is by word of mouth so you know if you want to give us money give us money but we'd honestly appreciate you telling more people about us and I, actually, listening in how, how it's can they cheaper give us money? for you and for us how can they give us money send it <laughs> yeah un- unmarked bills in the mail we'll give you a cookies address Bear bonds, please. Bear bonds. At what point will people start sending us candy is my question. Oh, that'd be great. Can we ask for that instead of cash? It's more likely. People are way more likely to spend money on an item and send it than just give the money away, even though Matter it of fact, theoretically be cheaper. Don't give us anything except for your fanciest of fancy ramen recipes. Oh, I'd take it. I'm Cookie. I'm Neil. And I'm Scott. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.